today on Ag News Daily. I think the three big themes that keep popping up are what in the world is going on with the crazy weather, what's going on with China, third thing, where are we going with all this environmental regulation? How is it going to impact me? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell here flying solo on the Ag News Daily Podcast as Tanner is making his way down to Houston for the Commodity Classic. I will be making my way down later this afternoon as well, but wanted to get our podcast out for the day so our listeners had something to listen to as hopefully you are heading down to Houston as well. Should be some pretty nice temperatures for those of you attending the Classic as uh, it should be up in the 80s. So that'll be a nice change in weather maybe than some of our folks have been having at home, although we certainly have been continuing to see warm conditions across most of the country. As we look at this week's weekly weather forecast from Eric Snodgrass, we're going to continue to see high temperature anomalies moving here over the next seven days. As we look out a week in advance, though, we might be seeing over the next 10 to 15 days or so some cooler temperatures once again hitting much of the United States. Temperatures will see a continued warm pattern this week, but as we look out about two weeks, 10 days in advance here, the forecast of precipitation will also intensify as weather well as cooling temperatures. The 10-day forecast here could see some snowfall as well across a few different areas of the United States as we've got a couple of major storms rolling through this in the next two weeks or so. There could be a couple of storms that should be stacking up here over about the next 15 days or so with quite a few severe storms as well. Very strong winds could come along with these systems as well as increased precipitation, snowfall in some parts of the country and cooler temperatures. So be on the watch for some of those conditions making their way to the Midwest and elsewhere in the coming weeks. We also saw the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration researchers at the NOAA's Great Lakes Environmental Research Laboratory reported that they've seen a steady decrease in ice coverage across the Great Lakes this season, which has now reached a historic low. They said we've crossed into a threshold in which we are at a historic low for ice cover for the Great Lakes as a whole. We have never seen ice levels this low in mid-February on the lakes since our records began in 1973. We did see some different snow systems coming through here in the 23-24 winter season, but as a whole, ice melt has been dwindling pretty rapidly, which will impact the Great Lakes' ability to have water here for the growing season we have ahead. They said they're not concerned necessarily yet, but it is certainly something to keep an eye on as we head into our summer growing, spring and summer growing season. And there's still quite a few red flag warnings issued for much of the central U.S. due to the extremely dry weather they've been having there, according to the National Weather Service. Southwestern Kansas... Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle are still seeing extremely dry warnings with winds today that will sustain anywhere from 35 to 45 miles per hour with gusts of wind expected to be upwards of 60 miles per hour. Relative humidity is also fairly low around 14 percent 
here in central Iowa, we're also seeing quite a bit of windy weather as well with wind gusts up to 35 miles per hour and low humidity here in central Iowa as well, including some burn bans in effect in a few central Iowa counties. Fires in this conditions, they said, will spread rapidly and outdoor burning is not recommended. As we take a look here at some other news shaking out this week, congressional leaders are continuing to try to find a path forward before another looming government shutdown. Congressional leaders were unable to find a consensus on a funding bill over the weekend, and without action, USDA and three other major government agencies will run out of funding as of Friday. A government shutdown for the rest of the agencies is possible after March 8th, and House and Senate leaders said they'll continue to meet this week, but we may see another short-term funding bill put into effect so we do not see the government go into shutdown on Friday. We also saw in Congress more than 130 members of the U.S. House and Senate have asked the Biden administration to withdraw a proposed rule that would require manufacturers of cars to see a 67% of new lightweight vehicles and 46% of medium duty vehicles to be electric by the year 2032. The angle that they're coming at here though, may be a little different than what you're expecting. As the bipartisan group of lawmakers said that this proposal restricts consumer choices and is expensive for the average American. The Biden administration has yet to respond on that request, but we have seen, of course, a huge push for EV during this Biden administration. Transitioning here into some more market-heavy news as we continue to watch what is going on in the geopolitical realm, at least three U.S.-bound cargo ships are preparing to unload with Brazilian soybeans in a few U.S. ports, according to Reuters. The shipments would be the first bulk shipment of soybeans from Brazil to the U.S. since last summer and are scheduled to arrive in early spring, which is earlier in the season than usual. Folks have been stated that as Brazilian prices are lower, we have around a difference of about $50 per ton between FOB port prices here and there in the U.S., making Brazilian soybeans a little bit more economical for some U.S. soy processing producers and those needing soy. We also saw that China purchased 10 cargoes of Ukrainian corn last week. As Ukrainian corn continues to be the cheapest available on the market currently, we don't know yet what the price was for those Ukrainian purchases that were tendered, but it is likely considerably cheaper and at a discount than what Brazil is even able to provide China at about $278 per metric ton compared to the United States, which was tendering at $289 per metric ton. But as we look at other factors impacting the markets here today, grain and soybean futures were trading lower in the overnight here, but with the continued near record net long, or excuse me, near record short positions, speculators are continuing to raise their bearish bets on corn and beans to fresh multi-year highs in the seven days that ended on February 20th, according to the latest CFTC report. Money managers increased their net short positions in soybeans to 126,674 futures contracts last week, up from the week prior, which is the largest short position since May of 2019. 
Speculators also raised their net short positions in corn to a net 328,584 futures contracts, up nearly 25,000 contracts from the week prior and the largest short position we've seen since April of 2019. Positions in the wheat market also continued their bearish positions in the hard red winter wheat futures as net short positions increased to 39,944 contracts. And as we look at the grain markets as a whole, those positions are certainly having an impact in the commodity markets. Although nonetheless, it does seem that markets maybe have found their footing for today. After touching below $4 for the first time in nearly four years, March corn futures today finished up seven and a quarter cents at 407. March soybeans added just three pennies today to close at 1136. Taking a look at Chicago March wheat up three and three quarter cents on the board at 577 and a quarter. March hard red winter wheat up 15 cents on the board at 583 and three quarters. And March spring wheat added six and three quarter cents today to close out the morning at 648 and a quarter. Taking a look at the livestock markets here and where they closed on the board today, April live cattle added 20 cents to close at a buck 88.10. March feeder cattle shed $1.52 today to close at $2.5305, and April lean hogs shed $0.92.5 to close out the day at $86.27.5. Without further ado, let's take it over to our Market Monday conversation next. Well, folks, for today's Market Monday conversation, super excited to be joined once again by Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Advisors. Sean, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Always a blast to be here, Delaney, and uh, and speak agriculture with you. Always, uh, always enjoy the conversation. Well, it sounds like you have been having a lot of conversations with various farmers and groups, insurance bankers, and others about the outlook here for agriculture in 2024. Sean, with all of your travels that you have been doing this winter and those you have ahead of you, what are the common questions or themes you're getting from those groups? I think the three big themes that keep popping up are what in the world is going on with the crazy weather? You know, why does this weather continue to act abnormally? Um, and, is, and is it going to continue or, or what do I need to do about it? That's the first thing. Second thing is, you know, what, what's going on with China? Are they peaking? Are they crashing? Um, you know, is their demand going to come back? I mean, there's just so many questions about whether the, the demand driver for ag is in uh, China has seen its best days or not. And, and what does that mean for agriculture? And the third thing uh, that keeps popping up is, you know, where are we going with all this environmental regulation? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, how is it going to impact me cost wise? How is it going to impact me revenue wise? Um, and, and uh, you know, and, and obviously in an election year, a lot of conflicting signals coming from Washington about what they are for or not for. And I think those three areas really are the ones that are on the minds of most of the constituencies that I've been talking to. So those are three good 
questions or themes, I think I, I would echo. I've hear, heard some of those same themes at some of the events that I've been present at here over the last couple of months. And I'm guessing those are going to be some of the same conversations we hear at Commodity Classic this week. Sean, we'll miss having you at the show. But as growers are getting ready to make their way down to Houston this week, markets are looking a little more favorable today on the board, especially in the corn contracts here today. What uh, what what caused today's nice little jump up in markets? Well, you know, you just keep, keep you just can't keep going down at the rate we've been falling forever. You know, zero corn is not an option. So at some point, the buyer who's been hand to mouth for weeks and months decides the price has gotten to such an economic point that he's he's willing to start getting more aggressive. Even today, I've been was get, been getting a lot bunch of calls about um, you know merchandisers and buyers, you know calling for larger quantities, calling for larger coverage, you know, at some point the buyer is going to lock in and see the opportunity and override the speculators who have been having a good time of it. And today may have been that point where supply and demand in the futures market and in the cash market finally switched to where at least at this price level, you know, maybe demand is going to get the, the upper hand over supply in, which means that we might get ourselves some kind of a, a short covering rally heading into the spring um, and, and maybe provide a, a better window for those producers who kind of need to sell or kind of behind on sales to have a, a better economic price to sell than the one we currently have. Yeah. And you mentioned that demand and more specifically Chinese demand has been one of those common threads that you've been getting a lot of questions on during your travels. What's your outlook right now for demand as far as our grain markets are concerned, Sean? Well, you know, the, the, the whole concept with China is that they're, you know, I'm sure you know the story, Delaney, you know, the demographics are terrible. Uh, their their uh, real estate markets collapsed um, because of those two things. And this ongoing uh, uh, agitation with deglobalization, um, you know, their demand is going to be uh, much weaker over the next couple of years than it has been. I don't believe that's going to be the case. Uh, my belief is, sure, I don't think demand is going to continue to grow for the next decade. And as, as we saw the past decade, demographics are going to be a headwind. But when I look at artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and these exponential um, productivity technologies that China is aggressively using to grow uh, efficiency, I think that they're going to be able to increase the wealth per Chinese worker who's reaching their prime spending years to a greater degree than they were able to in the past. And so I think when we work that through, I think the Chinese economy could kind of what I'd call muddle along, maybe grow very slowly. But the way we're pricing grain markets right now, Delaney, we're pricing it as, you know, demand's going to crash. And I think the minute that the market realizes that's actually not going to happen. We start to see some better demand coming from them. The discount that we're seeing here right now on China's not coming back for a while may have to be rethought. And we might, and doesn't mean we got to go to seven, eight dollar corn, by the way, but it means probably, you know, 375 cash corn in the US, something we haven't seen since December of 2020, might have overdone it to the downside with the entire growing season in front of us in the Northern Hemisphere. I'd say, Sean, that's maybe a different sentiment than we've heard from other market analysts here recently. How do we 
what are the factors we're watching for? And maybe what's the time frame that you're expecting to really see the markets react and understand, hey, demand isn't as bad maybe as what we were expecting it to be? Well, look, China just got uh, just got back from their, you know, their annual year end holiday where they basically shut the country down. They talk over a lot of things and they kind of decide their pathway forward. I think the period from now into the spring is going to be a very active period for China to take fiscal actions, monetary actions, um, and actually take actions that we can visibly see that's going to show that even though they might have hit the pause button here in December and January a little bit, uh, that that was more of a logistical thing than it was a, um, you know, a long-term thing. And the things I'm watching to tell me that, watch the Chinese stock market. If it starts to go up, which it has been in recent days, that's the first sign. The second sign, watch the Chinese currency. If it starts to strengthen, that's showing capital going back into China. And most importantly, there's a lot of agricultural commodities like bean meal, soybeans and corn, hogs that trade in China in their futures markets with based upon their domestic prices. If we see those prices start to go up, it would say that domestic demand for agricultural products is starting to improve so far we have one checkbox but i believe these other two checkboxes are going to give us the green light um, in a more formidable way as we move into the spring changing that narrative um and and maybe telling the speculator who's at a level of shorts as a percentage of open interest he's never been at right now yeah and i think you know we're we're certainly watching the funds in their nearly record uh, short positions here. But when you consider today's market action, we obviously closed higher on the day, but we did touch below or trade below $4, which as you mentioned, hasn't happened in quite a few years now. Sean, what's your new level of, um, or what's your new range here for new futures and old futures for new crop corn in, in March and December but also, where is your level of support looking at here as we did touch below $4 today? Well, I mean, if I'm looking at a longer, you know, if you look at that period from 2012 to 2020, when we were mired in a, a low priced sideways trading back and forth market, you know, we had significant overhead um, resistance on any rallies in that uh you know, new crop 430, 450 area. I'm talking about December. Um, I still believe that until we could determine that we're going to have the big crop this year, assuming that's what we have, I'm not convinced we're going to see that. I still think on December, new crop corn, you know, this, this, this 430, 450 area is going to be awfully hard to penetrate um, this early in the growing season. At the same time, you know, I, I don't believe that we can, you know, jettison much higher than $5 without having more substantive, tangible evidence that Chinese demand is coming back and or, you know, we have some weather issues that really just, you kind of take the idea that we're going to have this big crop and maybe it's not going to be this record setter that everyone's anticipating. Now, keep an eye on second crop corn in Brazil. Pollination begins March, around mid-March. Very, very dry down there. Soils are at very, very uh, near record subsoil moisture deficits. That could be another catalyst. But I think right now for new crop corn, I think 430, 450 on the downside to the upside being maybe five is a trading range I think we might establish here. And those that need either to buy or sell 
in the cash market may look at those targets as places to get things done. Sean, what's the story for the soybean side of the balance sheet there? What are you targeting and looking at as far as a range or maybe a level of support? Um, if we're just I, with with soybeans, if I'm looking at, let's say, the July contract, um, you know, we, we, we have this eleven and a half dollar support area that we've touched on a couple of times here in the last five years that has been a place where the soybean market has wanted to rally or has found Chinese demand to come back. Um, I think that's a level that for now will hold. Um, and I think this is at, at, that once again, kind of like corn, that $12 area is an area that I think given what's going on with the uh, apparent oversupply at the moment in Brazil from their harvest, I think there's going to be a lot of farmers wanting to sell, uh, you know, if we approach the $12 mark. So, you know, not the best news that farmers want to hear after such a protracted decline, but I think if we could just stop falling, that's the first thing that needs to happen. And if we're going to start establishing a basing pattern or a trading range where at least there's an opportunity to sell strength in the cash market, but that's at least something more optimistic than we're going down every single week and, you know, there's no there's no end in sight. I think at least we have to look at what what positives we can extract out of the market versus what we may want. Now, to get ourselves really substantially above $5 corn or $12 soybeans, we just need weather in China to really show themselves and provide a, a feeling that the speculators find themselves on the wrong side of the market and the technical programs and algorithms that trade our markets now with big money decide that they all want to get back uh, on the other side of it in a hurry. And we know we can, we've seen this before and it can happen you know, very quickly, but certainly for now, a pause, a sideways trading market would be the first good sign that maybe we're shifting gears here a little bit. Fantastic, Sean. Well, before we let you go, if any of our listeners want to pick your brains to chat markets a little bit more, find you, what's the best place to go to do so? Um, you know, we have a website, Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Also a Twitter handle at Feridex, F-E-R-I-D-E-X 11. Uh, oftentimes we'll post things on the website and, and on Twitter that, you know, kind of go over a little bit of our work, <clears throat> what we're seeing in the markets and to see how we're looking at things might be of value to those that listen and watch your show. Fantastic, Sean. Well, thanks for joining. Certainly appreciate your time. Thanks, Delaney. And keep up your great work for for agriculture. I always appreciate you helping farmers do a better job. Well, that does it for another Market Monday conversation with Sean Hackett. And a big thank you to Sean for joining me on the podcast today. Again, a friendly reminder, if you are going to be in Houston this week at the Commodity Classic, shoot Tanner and I a message on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or now on TikTok at Ag News Daily. Hope to see some of you this week in Houston, but if not, we'll hear and see the rest of you right back here tomorrow. 